What is good, everyone? This is your host, Deanna Radulescu with Label Free Podcast. Live your best life. You must live label free. Super excited. We have a very special guest joining us all the way from California. Love California. Eh? He is a retired academic orthopedic sur- surgeon, a retired orthopedic surgeon, and now a published author. Please welcome Doug Garland to the show. Doug, thank you for joining us today. Can you please tell us a little bit about your background? And I'm really excited to get into this book that you wrote. I grew up in a small farm town in Iowa and worked my way into medical school and then became an orthopedic surgeon. Uh, that story in itself is interesting because I used MB to better myself. My town was only 400 people and I eventually went to Des Moines to school. And that school was a thousand kids, which was bigger than my, my town. So. I had to figure out how I was going to survive, and I survived by good envy, which is looking at somebody better than myself and trying to emulate them. That held true through my entire career to include a clinical professor of orthopedic surgery at USC. But I then I used that when I got into undergraduate school, then I studied guys that were smarter than myself and got into medical school, and of course did that for residency. and been in my private practice and in academia as well. So I didn't really understand envy. We have a negative connotation of envy, but it's two-sided. The, the good side, which nobody ever talks about, is good envy where you emulate somebody. So that was my first learning experience about myself um, only after I wrote the book. So during my academic career, at that particular time, I was chief of the spinal cord injury uh, unit in Southern California. And I had been president of their association and I was to go to Australia to uh, go through their six units and help them improve them. And I came back from the meeting at my office, which had been the premier office on the unit, had been moved down the hall into a little cubby hole. And I told my wife, and she has more emotional intelligence than I have. And she said, oh, uh, that's a message that uh, your course there is run, which is 30 years of, of um, working there with over 110 published scientific articles. I turned around the next day, left my key on my desk and walked out. And I called the people in Australia and I said, I'm not coming. There's been a turn of events. And they go, what's, what's that mean? And I said, well, I just resigned my post. And they go, my God, you've been tall poppy. And I said, what? And they said, you've been tall poppy. And I said, well, I don't understand that phrase. And they said, well, that means if you look in a poppy field and you see somebody tall, they want to cut you down. So you're the same size as they are. So I finished my professional career. And I kept that in the back of my head, uh, always wondering what exactly that was and was it in America, but unrecognized. So then when I retired from my clinical practice, I spent a year doing research and then started writing the book. That's amazing. So I actually want to go back to rewind to the envy. I actually read, read your bio again uh, before we started recording and before we jumped on here. And I, I've never heard that like good envy before and how you how you described it. And I thought that is a very healthy way to look at it because you're right. There are two types of envy. envy. I mean, I don't 
per me personally, I don't really envy anyone because I'm always in a, a state of perpetual, like personal growth, positivity, gratitude, you know, just always wanting to be there, but it took me a long time to get there, but I could see where envy could be a positive motivator. Can you, can you talk to us about like how, like you thought about that? Because that's very interesting. I've never heard anybody talk, um, say that in that, in those terms before. So it, it goes all the way back to Aristotle. All the thinkers have uh, struggled with envy and the components of envy. And it's actually uh, called bad envy or actually even malignant envy in various uh, definitions. And so I'm with you. So getting into medical school and being a doctor and you want to stay current to do your best in practice, I never appreciated the difference between good and bad envy and I practiced good envy my entire life and I never I was not bad in, or the malignant or bad envy of anybody but even the definition if you look in your dictionary the definition of of envy is bad envy it's uh, coveting something else that you're somebody has that has you know better looks better intelligence better home yeah. And so everybody thinks negative. And not only is it the coveting, but frequently you want to destroy that person's happiness. You feel you can't achieve that. So then you want to um, destroy their happiness. And when you look across the board of America right now, that's what's happening to us. I um, was a Catholic and, of course, the seven deadly sins is a kind of a Catholic term of Pope penned those. And it was actually to in the fourth century, and it was actually to help the monks leave their lead their religious life. When I dissected the um, emotions down involved with the tall poppy syndrome, the uh, cutter is has either it's almost always envy. The cutter usually has low self-esteem, and he want he he realizes that he can't become that other person, so that he wants to cut him down. Anger is usually used uh, as well. So there's usually two negative emotions in the cutter. Now, when I look at the cutty, they're not completely uh, the tall poppy. They frequently achieve tall poppydom, but they have a tendency to develop excessive pride. So when we I look at the bad emotions in the tall poppy um, who are cut down by justification by the short poppy or the average person, um, there they have pride and then lust and greed also comes into that. So here you are, you know, there's seven deadly sins, which all are negative connotations. And I've just given you five of the seven deadly sins. When you look at this syndrome, they're they're very easy to recognize, and you can use the key term of seven deadly sins. The other two, which are very readily available, too, are laziness and gluttony, and that makes up the seven deadly sins. It's an easy catch term, and you can lose use that to dissect this phenomena. And then, of course, once you dissect that then I want you to look in the mirror and figure out your role in yourself and society. Sure. And you, you want to, I mean, in Catholicism, for every bad emotion, then there's a virtue. So you can look at it, well, I'll look if I'm 
have bad envy. I mean, really the flip side is just good envy, but you can look for the virtue and then try and prove yourself. Yeah. I you that when you talk about the seven dead the seven cent deadly sins, it reminds me of that movie I think with Bruce Willis, was it? Was uh, it was no, it was uh, um who was that? Um Brad Pitt. Oh, Brad Pitt. And what was the name of that movie? Seven Deadly Sins. Oh, it was? Oh, it was called that? That was a phenomenal movie. And it really kind of, that like, you know, I thought about that for a while afterwards. It really was impactful on how they went through the different sins. But um, let's talk about the term tall poppy syndrome. You kind of like got into it a little bit. I Like I told you before we started recording, I've never heard of that terminology before. And actually I just was a victim of that of I, which I would say the tall poppy syndrome at my previous job. I think the, the VP was a very um, shy, weak little man. And I'm a very, sorry, <laughs> like, I'm, and I'm a very aggressive type A outspoken female. And if it's an Indian culture where I worked and they were definitely not used to me. And I think I, well, I know because of him, I lost my job because he was intimidated by me. So it was, uh, I was just, I, I just kind of experienced that tall poppy syndrome. That's exactly how it works. Um, I can tell you, I could just write your script for you because uh, you're coming from the caste society and any hierarchy, you're going to find a really problematic tall poppy syndrome environment. And that's why I actually think that it's more prevalent in America because of our meritocracy. And we're always, we're not necessarily trying to improve ourselves, but we're trying to crawl up the ladder to get a better piece of the American dream. And so the competition drives it. So that's why I think it's pervasive, but let me help you dissect it. So the tall poppy syndrome is but first, first, this is very a very well-known uh, term overseas, correct? It's known everywhere. When I did when I did a year of research, so it started in, in Greece. It was okay. uh, defined in Greece. And if you think of one of our Greek heroes, Socrates, he was tall poppy. He actually drank a hemlock. He didn't want to continue to cause problem in the city, uh, which it had falsely accused him. And so rather than continue this on, he drank the hemlock to actually stop the badness of the community at that time. Aristotle was actually tall poppy. And then if you look at Rome, full of tall poppy syndrome, of course, Caesar himself is tall poppy. So our, and actually it was Livy in Rome, uh, the great Roman historian who described tall poppy syndrome as we know it. He actually used the poppy in his description of the tall poppy syndrome. So it was recognized clear back in Greek and ancient Rome. And I found it all the way from then in almost every country that um, I looked at, the countries have their different cultures and different terms. In, in Holland, for example, it's the tall tree catches all the wind. And Japan, it's the proud nail gets pounded down. So I found it everywhere, every culture, wow. every time period except America. I did find it a few or terms people using it here, but it was rare, rare and far between. Yeah. So when you look at it, 
it's a little confusing at first, but it, I divided it into two groups. So I call peer-to-peer, -peer, which is the most prevalent. And that's not, those people usually aren't tall. That's you. That's you and your neighborhood. That's you and your family. First tall poppy syndrome, just like Cain and Abel happens in the family. Then it happens in your neighborhood. It happens in your school. In school, a lot of it is bullying, but it eventually segues into the tall poppy syndrome. Then in the workplace, it's prevalent. Everybody has it happen in the workplace. So that I call peer-to-peer -peer or private. And that's when it's mostly driven by bad envy. Then if you look at the what I call the public, which is Hollywood, politics, government, the media, that is when the pride, when you switch emotions and you have a true tall poppy with recognition, and then they behave badly and the public thinks they are not deserving. That's a key term. They're deservingness. They feel they're not deserving and they want to cut them down. So that's, that's how you look at the tall poppy syndrome is the behavior of the cutter or the cuttee and you separate the individual, which is actually prevalent, and so is actually the public. So it's everywhere in America, and of course, the cancel culture is the epitome of the tall poppy syndrome. Support for Label Free Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Now, ladies, you can use this too. We're all-inclusive here. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide, and now we're going to have the ladies too, because come on, ladies, let's be real. We have an exclusive offer for my listeners, 20% off plus free shipping with the code LABELFREE20 at manscaped.com. So thank you, Manscaped, for your support. And everybody is welcome to purchase with my code. And that's huge right now, the cancel culture. I, I actually had a, I did record a show with someone that says that, you know, that's just very prevalent everywhere right now. And it's, uh, it's a shame because it really just goes to show you how weak-minded and insecure in, um, uh, most people are, because I feel like if you feel it's necessary to cut someone else down, that just goes to show you how low of a person you feel about yourself. Like that's my take on it. Would you agree? Well, that's the correct take. I mean, if we, if we look at Ken, I like to look at other, other areas, um, rather than America, because as soon as I start talking, then some, I'm going to push a button and somebody's going to turn, like, turn me off. Yeah. So if you just look at the politics of the um, truckers in Canada, the prime minister, they're tall poppy, those people. Yep. He, yep. His self-esteem was so low that he wouldn't even meet or discuss the situation with them. So that's, uh, I found our government even though our government should be equal, that we have become, our government itself has also become just like the uh, government in Canada treated the uh, truckers, which should have been an, the ability to actually improve the government and the relationship with the, the populace. Now, if we look at the uh, Russian situation right now in Ukraine, my own take on that is, is that um, the leader is a true tall poppy. And that country had been going through a lot of political turmoil and, you know, the people overthrew the last uh, government. And this, and I actually think Putin 
uh, was threatened by this new gentleman, not necessarily because he wanted to uh, join NATO, but more so that because he was a true leader and he was going to lead that country to greatness. And that's just what uh, Russia did not need, because then the populists in Russia would see how good Ukraine was. Yeah. And so the only way Putin could stop that was to take that gentleman out. So that's an, on the world governmental scene. That That's a really another good example of the tall poppy center, getting all the other politics out of it and what one country thinks or another country thinks. But it's purely driven by emotions and I think bad envy on Putin's part. Um, so you, you can take complex situations and really cut down and simplify everything and, and really analyze it. And just, you wanna be bias free, just look at a situation and try and figure out those emotions and come to a conclusion, uh, but it will help you grow yourself because once you've looked through the tall poppy window, it causes self-reflection on yourself. And, and for example, if you, if for the male, if males have the tendency to be bullies and if they bully beginning in grade school, they, they continue that tendency uh, often through life. And they never think about it because it becomes natural to them. They never self-reflect. So that became obvious to me in a study in, in um, Australia. They looked at high school athletes, females and males. And the question was asked, uh, were you bullied? Every female athlete felt she was bullied. And the males, none of them said they were bullied. Interesting. Well, you know that. Oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's so fascinating, but that's why men and women are different and how we view life so differently. But what I'm leading up to is the male gets used to this and they get used to cutting down. And I, it happened to me, it happened to my older brother, it happened to another brother, it happened to his kid. He had to change, change schools, it was so painful to him. So that behavior develops and it never leaves, but you, it's so ingrained in yourself that you don't think about it. So that's, hap that's essentially what happened in Hollywood with the Me Too movement. It was those bullying type people that began that course when they were young, they carried their behavior into their profession and they never realized, they never looked in the mirror what they were really doing. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's what that study showed me. And um, I actually had a friend who read the book that I was in practice with. And they said, I learned so much about myself and I would practice differently. What he was really telling me was, was that he was tall popping me while we were in practice because it was his practice. Uh, he ran who saw the patients and he ran kind of the operating room. He got the good texts and things and I, I kind of had the leftovers. So it was a real eye opener to his behavior. And he, he had never thought about it until he read the book. Wow. So we're getting close out here on time. So I have a, I have a question for you. You say that it's a self-help book, but from a negative perspective. So why do you say it's negative, but yet a self-help book? So you have to look at medicine, which is how I looked at life as well. And we learn more in medicine from negative 
from diseases, not from healthy people. So we hardly learn anything unless we study disease. And in society, most of everything is, is by positive. We wanna read positive stories. We wanna, we wanna interview successful people. And that is supposed to inspire good envy. In fact, it doesn't do that. It gives us inspiration, but we hardly have any transformation from it. That's why there's another good story coming out because nobody, they wouldn't have to read it if they, if they were transpired and went into action and became a good person. So how many good books do I have to read? So I actually thought this was a very good concept as well to have more of a dark book and to look at, at uh, bad behavior and maybe cause you kind of shocked to, hey, wait a minute, what's happening here? This is a different switch yeah. that's been turned on in my life before. Uh, Jim Collins, who wrote Good to Great, and a quite famous author, and really one of the great business books of understanding good companies, he wrote a book of How the Mighty Fall. He wrote the good book, and then he just flipped the switch as well. And the second book was not very successful as far as book selling goes, but I found that book way more fascinating than the good book. And he has a quote in there from one of the Russian authors that says, um, good families are all the same. Yeah. Bad families have, each bad family is different from the next bad family, which is a fascinating concept because good people just like you and myself are very similar and I can study you once and I don't need to do 10 more reflections. But if I study 10 bad families or bad people, I can learn a lot, number For sure. one, and I can learn a lot more about myself. For sure. So that's why I think it's such a fascinating self-help book, even though when I started it, that wasn't my concept. Well, I think it also, and we're going to start wrapping things up here. Um, it also kind of is very similar to, I don't know if you've ever read that book, Power, or like the the books that are really good for leaders, you know, uh, Tao Tzu's The Art of War, just talking about those situations where the, where leaders conquered in, in battle and what the takeaways are from them, kind of like the similar type of idea where we talk about the bad and how you can reflect on your life to see where you can grow. So I think that's a, a great concept, what you did with the book. How long did it take you to write it? Uh, almost 10 years. There's, it's over... So, so when I looked in the internet, there was a lot of misinformation in, on the internet, and it was very, it was very confusing and actually quite irritating to me. Yeah. And so I wanted to write the definitive book, and which is why it took so long. There's over 600 citations, so wow. it, I'm, I'm hoping it's going to stand the test of time that uh, I put. So I, I don't call it love. I actually put a lot of positive anger into it. It kept Good. driving me yeah. uh, because, because um, I, I wanted it to be bias-free and really help people. I love that. So where can people buy the book, support you, connect with you? Where where are those links where they can find you? Um, my website is D-O-U-G-G-A-R-L-A-N-D.com. So it's not, and you can, uh, obtain it from that but the best is on amazon and there's actually i have to tell you there's really some lovely reviews on it from people the reviews 
are almost entirely positive and they're very insightful. So I would actually tell you mostly just look at Amazon and just um, link onto the book from Amazon, either by my name or the tall poppy syndrome, uh, the joy of cutting others down and look at the reviews. And I think the reviews are very insightful. There were some very intelligent people wrote reviews. So I would encourage people to look at that and that might motivate them even more than us to think about purchasing the book. I love that. And you guys, I'll put those links in the show notes. So if this is a book that you have aligned with and you think it could be beneficial for your life or for someone you know, don't hesitate to go click that link, go purchase that book through Amazon and go visit Doug at his website um, because we definitely appreciate the support. And it sounds like this would be a great book for many, many people to do some self-reflection. Doug, it's been a great um, pleasure talking with you and listening to your insightfulness and everything you've experienced in your life. I love the, the book. I think it's going to help a lot of people and it will definitely stand the test of time. So thank you for sharing your story and your motivation behind it. Um, please keep us posted. If you have any new projects that come up, we'd love to have you back and tell the audience. You guys, this is your host, Deanna Radulescu with Label Free Podcast. Live your best life. You must live label free. Please don't forget to comment, share, review, subscribe, all those good things. And I'll be back soon with more dynamic guests.